listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McLean at the buzzer. Yeah! Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three, and got it! I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room. Keep your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, LaShar Binkley, and you can find me on Twitter at HTownForLife40, all caps. And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at AQIE underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. All right. And so in today's episode, we're going to be discussing probably not too long, but discussing the game that just finished up uh, between the Rockets and the Spurs where the Rockets suffered their second defeat. Um, one of the type of games where it's not a lot you can take from it because a few of the Rockets stars weren't playing and the Spurs had everything to gain from this game. So we'll cover that for a few minutes, but we'll also discuss in this first segment, we'll go over kind of who do we see as kind of been the standout so far for the Rockets in the in the bubble so far, and also some of the people that kind of disappointed so far and that may need to pick it up when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, and in the second segment, we're going to go over uh, the Rockets-Pacer game where the Rockets will get a couple more starters back. Westbrook may sit out, um, but at least they'll have more of a close to a full roster. Uh, then in the final part of the second segment, we'll go over uh, the Bill Simmons controversy that's kind of been – everywhere on you know, Twitter. Uh, we'll kind of give our takes on it um, between Harden and Luca, and kind of go over what we think as far as the national media perception of Harden. So to kind of start this off, we'll, we'll go over this first game. And like I said, in the, in the Rockets Spurs game, it wasn't a lot you can take from this. Um, so what's some of your thoughts? Did you see anything positive from this game that you can take from maybe some of the role players that don't play that much? Well, we could see Ben McElmore. I mean, he didn't shoot amazingly from three. He was 33%. He shot four for 12. Um, and then he did end up having 16 points, which is pretty good for him. Um, so he was still continuing. For, I mean, for I guess for that first half, he had three or, he had three or four of his threes. Um, in the first half. So he was still hot. So we definitely have seen Ben McLemore throughout this bubble and throughout the, you know, better part of this season. He was, he's been pretty hot from three and he's shooting, I believe over 40%. Yes. Um, so that's like a positive takeaway. Definitely that I, you know, that was a, that we were able to get from this game and, you know, Russ coming back from, you know, being kind of sort of injured. Um, he had a good shooting performance. He was eight for 17 uh, 47% from the field. He was two for four from three. So it's, you know, anytime he shoots, um, 50% from three, that's, you know, that's great. And he only had gone to the free throw line twice and he made both of those. So he was all right. He was very, a little, a little rusty 
clumsy with you know with the turnovers um, from what I saw. Um, I mean, he always will fill up that stat sheet. You know, six assists, five rebounds. So what did you were you able to gather anything else from that, uh, Lashard? From anything positive? So, um, like you said, definitely Ben McLemore. I mean, he's he's the one player that. Even when he's shooting 33% from three, you're still confident that the next shot's going to go in. So definitely him continuing to shoot. He never hesitates. That's that's definitely always a positive for someone that shoots as well as he has pretty much all year. Um, even though Austin Rivers was only one for four from three, uh, he still seemed like he's extremely quick. Yeah. Um, he's able to get to the basket on anyone. So that's definitely a positive sign. Um, I would also say, like, just Jeff Green um, – ball handling skills I you know watching him over the years I don't remember watching you know him being able to get to the basket as much as he can now and that's definitely a a huge positive something the Rockets probably haven't had from any of their big guys since um if you want to consider Chandler Parsons he was kind of a small ball for Mm -hmm. um since Chandler Parsons so I mean his ability to handle the ball um you know, at the top of the key, especially off of the pick and roll with James Harden, to me, that's that's been a huge revelation. So he seemed like he was still, you know, in a good rhythm. So I would say Green and Rivers and McLemore, even though the game kind of got away from the Rockets, those were definitely positives I took away from this game. Yep, and then we did see, you know, the return of Damari Carroll finally. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I know we had our uh, – you know, we kind of had our discussions um, privately um, about Damari Carroll, yes. you know, yourself, Roosh, myself. Um, we all, uh, you know, most of us, we, we kind of, we do want to see Damari Carroll out there just being given a shot. But, you know, what's your take on Damari Carroll? Because, you, you know, you don't have the same opinion as all of us. <laughs> so, so I will say, first off, I love Damari Carroll's game in theory. I love, you know, having another 3 and D player. I think he has some benefits as far as a specialty type player in certain situations. Yeah. Um, it's just for me, I just don't know how he fits into the overall rotation because we all know how D'Antoni is with his rotations. Yeah. And especially when playoff time come, um, he said he's going to have a nine-man rotation. I mean, in some games, he may not even have a nine-man rotation. It may be eight-man. So it's just not a lot of minutes for him to fit in. And – with Damari Carroll, uh, to me, he's more of a – if you need to stop in a certain situation at the end of a game, maybe you put him in there or maybe you need a, a stop at the end of a quarter, whatever the case may be as far as the defense specialist, I have no problem with them bringing him in. I just don't know if you can give him 15, 20 minutes a game in this rotation. Yeah, and I, to an extent, I could definitely agree. I think – he definitely, at least with these couple of with these past few games, he should have been given more of a chance just to yes. be able to play and see how he fits in, see how he vibes. Because I think that's the only negative part, and what most Rockets fans and Rockets Twitter is complaining about is that he just hasn't been given that shot. And I'll agree with you. You know, after a nine man rotation, it's hard to fit him in there because I I do believe a nine man rotation is is pretty good. I don't think we need to get away from that or have more than that. Uh, in particular, but the sentiment of him, you know, needing some minutes just to see how he, it it was kind of weird that against the Kings game, at least that he, when we were up to 20 in the fourth quarter, that he didn't really get a shot to come in at least. And it was, 
uh, Chris Clemens, I think he got in, and so did, um, I believe, Michael Frazier. So those two players, uh, I don't know if they deserve a shot over Damari Carroll because those guys aren't really – you're never going to see them in, in heavy minutes or in, yeah. with, with playoffs. Um, I'm still – I mean, just like you, I'm a fan of Damari Carroll. And in the past, he's been, he's been you know, that labeled as that 3 and D guy, and um, he was he's a key part of some of those teams that did well in, in the past – in the playoffs. So I just did, I just wanted to see him out there at least, but I mean, we saw him, we, we saw him get, get a little bit of run. He, he had 20, he played 21 minutes. He was a two for five from the field and shot 40%. Uh, didn't really, I didn't see any hiccups in his game or anything particularly off. Um, he was, he had three assists and a rebound and I believe he had a, a two steals and a block. So he, of course he's going to give you that energy and that hustle because he's trying to prove himself, but, um, yeah, it's you know it's weird with him that it, he didn't work out with the Spurs, and he would it seemed like he'd be a perfect fit last season with the Spurs, and things got kind of sour in the relationships uh, between him and Pop. Um, there was never any details with that, but um, yeah, I just I just don't I I, I would have liked to see him get more minutes, you know, in these bubble games for sure. And, and I will say, and they actually mentioned that on the broadcast. Um, Kaylee Griffin actually mentioned that talking to Pop about Carroll. He said that it wasn't really anything particular that Carroll did wrong. It was just that it was people in front of him. And with the Spurs kind of moving away from um, LaMarcus Aldridge, and honestly, I think eventually they'll move away from DeMar, uh, DeMar DeRozan as well. But they were just saying basically he just didn't fit into the roster. And I kind of think it's the same thing here. Because uh, it doesn't seem like, from everything I read, Carroll doesn't rock the boat. Um, he hasn't made any crazy statements. Uh, I don't really think he's on D'Antoni's bad side. I just think it's just a matter of um, him not really getting minutes over players like Rivers or McLemore or Jeff Green come off the bench. Even though it was kind of weird that in a game where you had the minutes last game and you didn't really give him any time to get on the court. It is kind of weird, but again, we know D'Antoni sticks to his plan no matter what anybody says. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, I guess you can't really be surprised about that, um, which kind of leads us into our second part of the first segment. Um, what do you, so with Eric Gordon coming back, um, how do you feel that he will fit into this rotation? Um, do you think he just comes back in and he's automatically the six man? Or do you think he kind of just is slowly, even in the playoffs, slowly kind of brought back into the rotations, maybe only getting 20 or 25 minutes a game? So we saw in those bubble games that he was very, you know, he was still, at, you know, his athleticism is definitely there. He could get to the basket almost at will. Um, his shooting was very, you know, questionable for sure. And I'm just concerned about his shooting. I think, yeah. uh, and especially coming now coming off an ankle injury, I'm a little bit concerned to see where his minutes go. And, you know, having a nine-man rotation, and we saw Jeff Green play extremely well. Robert Cummington, I mean, his shots aren't falling, and neither is P.J. Tucker, but those guys are going to give you their hustle and rebounding and energy and defense. So um, definitely they're going to take a lot of those minutes. Ben McLemore, his shooting is just superb. So, you know, we're, we're going to try to see where he, I don't, I definitely don't think he's going to be starting and I don't know what the, um, what the plan is as of now, but house I'm sure is going to be start having that starting 
a spot instead of Eric Gordon. Like it, it was planned that Eric Gordon would be starting, you know, at the beginning of the bubble games. But um, now he's, I guess, since House has been playing pretty well and defensively he's been sound, I don't see – I don't see Eric Gordon getting more than 20, 25 minutes. He might, he might, if he's hot, he might be able to finish off some games. Yeah. But I'm just curious to see how he gels with Westbrook because I don't, I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and the 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 only reason I can still hold out hope for Gordon is when you're playing quicker guards that you don't want to necessarily, you know, even though the Rockets are a switch heavy team, um, you still don't want to see Harden and Westbrook trying to guard quicker guards, you know, throughout the playoffs. That's kind of where Gordon comes into it because out of those three, he's still the better perimeter defender. And you you will still need his defense on the perimeter when it gets deeper into the playoffs. And I do agree. He's, he's getting to the basket. He was great in the game. He actually played uh, before he got hurt. It's just that his shot is just – all season long, it's just been off. Um, I don't know if it's because of the injuries and he's just not getting enough attempts or his rhythm is just off, but it's been off all year. And uh, that, that also kind of worries me about Covington. Tucker, yes, yeah. but Tucker doesn't really – I mean, Tucker may take two or three shots a game at most. Yeah. So if he's shooting – like right now in the bubble, he's shooting 31%. But Covington is taking close to eight threes a game and he's only shooting – 23% from three-point range. So that's, that's kind of worrying me a little bit going into the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, so, I mean, another thing, I guess you could say the negative takeaway from this game that we just watched that just wrapped up not too long ago, Covington shot 0 for 6 from three. And I believe last game he was around, I think he had made one. He was like 1 for 5 or 1 for 6 last game. So that is a big concern that um, his three ball is not falling we see him we're seeing him doing everything on defense and yes. today he had two blocks and four steals and nine rebounds and two offensive rebounds so he we're not questioning anything from you know his defensive ability from that perspective but his shot is not falling and i know against um he had that big overtime three where he was almost about to go i think over nine yes and he finally he had hit that big three um uh, in that overtime game i believe it was against the um, the Mavs, right? So he, that was a game where I mean, we I guess we know he, he can hit those big shots, but um, he's he's gonna have to pick it up from you know from that three ball. Yeah, and kind of a trend that I noticed this game, especially usually before he wasn't hesitating. He would just even when he was missing, he was he would just shoot as soon as he get the ball. But this game, he was like every time he had a wide open shot, he would try to pump fake and go yeah. to the basket, and that's just not his game and. At most of the time, he ended up turning over or it was a bad shot. So he just needs to keep shooting with confidence because he's going to get – I mean, let's just be honest, they're going to get wide open shots. I mean, Covington, yeah. Tucker, House, they're going to get wide open shots. So it's like – it's pretty much zero reason in a D'Antoni office to hesitate because he's not going to take you out for missing shots. He'll take no. you out for not taking them, but yeah. missing shots he won't take you out. So I just think that he just needs to continue to shoot because – He's probably going to, I mean, other than probably House and Harden and McLemore, he's going to take the most threes. So he, yeah. he definitely gets, needs to get that percentage to, you know, at least 35%. Um, and also, I mean, on Tucker, what, what do you think it is? Because it seemed like the last two months of basketball that they played, 
his shot yeah. is just disappeared, especially from the corner where he was like one of the best three point shooters in the league. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you say that because he, he, I mean, he, we saw his minutes decrease because we were able to get other guys more minutes. So his his minutes have gone down, and as his minutes have gone down, his shooting has decreased, which is weird because typically when he gets more rest and he has his legs underneath him, he can shoot that three ball, you know, at least at forty percent from you know from that corner pocket. So it's it's kind of weird to see that he's not able to hit those three. So I'm, I'm actually very concerned, but again, we got to see what, you know, what happens in the first round of the playoffs. Um, it, you know, it just could be a, a little fade, a little fab with these, with PJ Tucker and Robert Covington. And kind of leading into that also, what, what are your thoughts on with Tuck, with Tucker struggling from the three point range? Do you see any Avenue where, something I've definitely brought up in the past. Um, Jeff Green finishing any of these games, especially, you know, in the playoffs, do you see any possibility that he would take Tucker out and have Jeff Green, even not if he's not taking Tucker out, um, yeah. having some type of lineup where Jeff Green is finishing the game? So, I mean, if we, if we want to list it out, I could see for sure these are the players that are almost – they're always going to finish the game. Westbrook – Covington, Tucker, and Harden. Those four are always going to finish the game for sure. If, you know, no one's injured, obviously, God forbid. But it's it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, right now I see either Eric Gordon, if he's healthy, he's going to be that fifth guy to finish out games. But I could very well see House get that spot too. And then if both of those guys are struggling and Jeff Green's lighting it up because he's been – Pretty uh, consistent from three. So, I mean, today he was only tw- he only shot one for four, but he's been fairly consistent. He's been hitting some, you know, some tough shots too. So it's not like he's completely wide open at that three. It's he's he's hitting some, you know, c- fairly contested shots. So I could see him. And the with you know, it's very important that when Harden gets doubled, you got a guy guy that can roll obviously yes. off that pick. So Jeff Green, I think he does it better than anyone on the team. I want to say. And he can really finish around the basket. We've really seen that um, in these bubble games that he's been finishing. Uh, I don't have the stats on it, but I want to say close to 50% of the time he's finishing around the rim. Yeah, and he's actually the, the third best uh, three-point shooter as far as percentage in the bubble um, at 37%. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be like an every game thing for him finishing. I, I can kind of see maybe a matchup-based type thing, like maybe if you're facing the Lakers and – uh, they, let's say they go with uh, Dwight Howard and um, at center, then you got Anthony Davis, and they go with an extremely big lineup. I can see him yeah. possibly maybe getting more time in the fourth quarter with that. But, yeah, I do agree. Like, Daniel House is probably going to finish most games, especially if he keeps shooting the way he's been shooting. And or Eric Gordon, because we all know um, Eric, uh, Mike D'Antoni still loves Eric Gordon. So, yeah. <laughs> one way or another, he's going to get Eric Gordon on the court. So, there's definitely a possibility we can see Gordon finishing some games. And I, I think these next couple of games are going to be really important for Gordon because he has to get his confidence back from three. Um, yeah. I think that's a lot of it because he just seems like his shot is – I don't know if his form is really off. It's just that it doesn't seem like he's just shooting with the same confidence that he usually has. So uh, these next couple of games will definitely be huge for Gordon. Yeah, for sure. And there's no reason for him to freak out or for Rockets fans to freak out about him because he's played pretty well in the playoffs in the yeah. past with the Rockets. 
And, you know, he's a former three-point champ. So there's, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. It's just once he gets – once he sees that the shot's falling from three, I think he'll be fine. Yes, definitely. And uh, in the second segment coming up, we'll be discussing uh, kind of going over the Pacers-Rockets uh, game that's happening tomorrow and uh, kind of how we see that game going with majority of the, you know, main rotation players coming back. And then uh, in the second part, we'll be going over the uh, Bill Simmons controversy on Luca and James Harden, kind of give our thoughts on that. So uh, please stay tuned. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so there are a lot of reasons to like AT&T 5G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day at work in 27 years. Ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles, likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, and we're preparing to discuss this upcoming Rockets game that's happening tomorrow against um, the Indiana Pacers. And we'll also discuss uh, the comments made by Bill Simmons about Luca and James Harden. So just getting right into it. So what do you think um, going into tomorrow's game against the Pacers? So I think it – I honestly think that the Rockets will have a better showing um, – just because you'll have majority of your starters back. Uh, pretty sure House will be back. We know for sure Harden will be back. Um, you know, as we're doing this podcast, there hasn't been any mention of anybody else sitting out besides probably Westbrook. Um, so I think it'll be a better showing. Um, but at the same time, it's just really a matter of just keeping everybody healthy and just everybody kind of getting in rhythm. And like we spoke about earlier, I think this is a huge game for Gordon. I think if he can get his rhythm back before the playoffs, that'll be huge for the Rockets because even though he struggled this year in the past two playoffs, he's probably been at times like the second best player, uh, especially last year um, Mm -hmm. because Chris Paul struggled for a majority of the playoffs. Eric Gordon was actually their second best player. So I think this is more of a game about getting into rhythm more than anything else. Yeah. And I mean, the Rockets, they have two games for, um, for uh, Eric Gordon essentially to get back into get back into rhythm and you know tomorrow might be a, a better game that Westbrook is out just because maybe Gordon you know he, I remember he had that 50 piece earlier in the season yes. and um, you know hopefully he can he can look in some shape or form like that game so um, I'm hoping that he you know he plays well tomorrow and um, we don't know just yet if House is going to return um, I'm gonna assume I'm gonna assume that he is because I didn't hear that the injury was too bad. I, they had said that he stubbed his toe or something like that. So um, I'm hoping that he returns, but they haven't officially confirmed yet. But we do know since it's a, a back-to-back, Westbrook should be sitting out, and we should have pretty much everyone playing tomorrow. So uh, we, we will definitely see. I think Eric Gordon with that second unit, and he'll be a little free to you know shoot some bombs out there. 
Yeah, and I mean, as far as the Pacers, they're they're kind of in a similar situation as the Rockets. They're they're pretty much locked into that four or five seed. Yeah. Um, I mean, Philadelphia is like a half game back, but Philadelphia is pretty much done at least for the next couple of games because Embiid is out, Simmons is out for the year. Um, they may not even be trying honestly in these last couple of games. So the Pacers are pretty much locked in that matchup with the Heat, and yeah, you know, we know home court doesn't really matter, so. We don't even really know for sure how much they're going to play. They may actually rest players. So, like I said, this is really going to be more of a game about getting all your players um, into some type of rhythm going these last couple of games into the playoffs and just making sure no one else gets hurt. Um, so this will be, like I said, not really a meaningful game for the Pacers or Rockets, just more of a game that just hopefully – get people like Eric Gordon, Covington, and Tucker, get their shots back. Yeah, and I know that this game against the Pacers happens before the Nuggets game tomorrow. Yeah. So um, if even if the Rockets pull a win out and essentially they're trying to tank, which we, we don't really know that they are or they aren't, um, today was an obvious game where they didn't play their best. You could say that. And they had basically like their whole roster out there getting minutes. But – um, yeah, that game tomorrow, it does happen before um, before the Nuggets game. So we don't really know what the implications are going to be after the Rockets, if they were to win or lose. But we know for a fact that the Rockets now, they're locked into that four and five seed as well. So there's not really much. It's looking more and more like we're going to play the Thunder if the Jazz are trying to definitely avoid the Rockets, as we could tell from their game yesterday. But with the Pacers, I do th- I do know that they can they could potentially fall to the sixth seed um, because the 76ers are only half a game back and um, they are playing this the Suns today, so they could possibly win that game. But yeah, around, around four, five, six, the Pacers are kind of locked in, and I don't know, I don't think they're trying to tank games. They're probably just trying to, you know, get the most advantageous seeding for them as possible. So. I don't I don't see them really tanking, but I don't also I also don't I also can see them resting some of their players. But um we could definitely see the Rockets tomorrow try their best just to get a win because getting a loss is not really meaningless at this point. Getting a win isn't isn't meaningful. So for for the Rockets, if they can just play a good game and we could see a good game from Eric Gordon, I'll be definitely satisfied. And and not to still too much, you know, any future podcast thunder, but you kind of mentioned the seating. Um, what, what's your take on the seating? Because I've seen some people say that we should stay on the Lakers side of the bracket. Yeah. I've seen some people say they don't care. Me personally, yeah. um, I know the Clippers are the Rockets' toughest competition, at least from what I see, but mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about losing games on purpose to just stay in the Lakers side of the bracket so you don't play the Clippers until the conference finals possibly. So, yeah, so it can, so if you lose games on purpose, it can work out for you. Like we saw in previous years in, uh, I think the Denver Nuggets last season, um, I believe they lost on purpose and they were able to get a better uh, matchup for them. So it can work out for you. I'm not a big believer in it. I think you should just try to win games as much as you can. But then again, if the Rockets can st- stay at that four or five spot, you know, I'm okay with that because I do think we are a better – we have a better matchup in the Lakers than we do with the Clippers. Now, um, I still feel like you're going to have to play the Clippers eventually, maybe in the Western Conference Finals. So 
if you could look at it, at it from that perspective that you do have to eventually play them, so why does it matter? But then at the same time, you know, guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not individuals that, you know, stay healthy for, sure. for long. So, you know, they could go one or two rounds and then end up being injured or not being 100%. And the Rockets can capitalize on that. I'm, I'm obviously not for them getting hurt. I don't want, I don't want Kawhi Leonard or no, Paul no, George to get not. hurt. Of course not. <laughs> But you know they they it's it's a shot it's a chance that they're not as healthy, and we we've seen Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have their troubles guarding James Harden because you know who in the world can guard James Harden except for James Harden himself, yeah. <laughs> um, missing shots. So um, I'm I'm like you had asked I'm not a big believer in you know tanking games or losing games on purpose, but I do see a benefit um, to staying on the Lakers side of the bracket. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, but like you said, also, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of it either because I feel like you can get yourself uh, out of rhythm by doing that, by losing games. Sure. Um, even if they're regular season games, you don't want to get in the habit of losing because when you're, when you're tanking, you're not trying as hard. And when you're not yeah. trying as hard, you get your shots off. Um, the game plan, you're not following the game plan. So all of that gets out of rhythm. Um, I, I, to me – you win the games, you play the Clippers in the second round. Either way, you're going to have to beat them. Um, yeah. If you're a championship contender, and the Rockets have faced probably one of the best teams in the last 10 or 15 years, <laughs> several times in the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, And I don't see any of these teams close to as good as the Warriors were. So if, if you're going to be a championship team, you're going to have to beat the Clippers or, and the Lakers or at least one of the L.A. teams. So to me, you, you win your games, you take your chances because – uh, especially in the Clippers um, Rockets matchup, I think the Rockets, to me anyway, I think the Rockets have the best player in James Harden. No disrespect to Kawhi Leonard, and I think Westbrook is better than Paul George. So if you have the two best players on your team, I think you just take your chances and roll with it. But I can kind of see the other side of it too, and it also kind of leads me to as far as um, what do you think of the possible first round matchup of course we don't know for sure but I've heard a lot of people say they don't want to play the Thunder but to me in a way again you have the two best players there's no reason you shouldn't beat the Thunder not to say it's going to be an easy series but I think the worry over playing the Thunder is a little bit overblown yeah I agree with you it is a little bit overblown I just don't you know I'm a I'm a Chris Paul fan and um, it's just and you know Chris Paul was just playing with us these last two seasons and you know that 2018 uh, or that 2017 2018 season rather that season was you know as good as you can get from Chris Paul so it'll be tough seeing him in you know in another jersey and yeah. you know he's gonna give it his 110 percent because I'm sure I'm sure he wants to prove them real bad and he's in that you know he's in that top five MVP conversation for you know this second half of the season so I'm sure he's really going to bring it. And that's the, that's the only part that scares me. But, you know, I think um, Russell Westbrook can take advantage of that matchup because he is definitely more athletic. Even though Chris Paul is a great defender, one of the all-time great defenders at his position, um, I do think Russell Westbrook has a little bit of advantage um, offensively because he, he's going to be able to get to the hoop. Um, he's more athletic, obviously. 
but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm afraid. I don't, I, I, of course we'd all much rather see us play the jazz, right? Just cause oh, yeah, definitely. jazz we've, we've had, we have their number and we've just been taking them down pretty badly the last few seasons in the playoffs. So I would love to see us give them a beat down um, for sure. But I think it's, it's looking more and more like we're going to play the thunder and I don't, I don't fully mind it playing the thunder. I, you know, as a Rockets fan and just as, as a fan of basketball, I still think Rockets, since they have two MVPs on their team, they have the advantage. Yeah, and it's funny you brought up the Jazz because um, ESPN actually was sort of a positive statement about the Rockets. They they acknowledged that the Jazz were kind of trying to tank so that they didn't have to face the Rockets, which yeah. is which is always funny because, like you like you mentioned earlier, the Nuggets did the same thing last year. Um, the Jazz are doing it again this year because I mean. They they know, Jazz fans know, I think even the actual players know that they pretty much have no chance of beating the Rockets because it's just a horrible matchup for them. Yeah. Um, so they're doing everything in their power to stay in that sixth seed. So I just find that whole situation just kind of funny, trying to purposely tank to avoid certain teams. But um, I definitely agree. Playing the Jazz would be ideal because um, – even though I think they can beat the Thunder, it's still going to be a, a lot more stressful than it would be going up against the Jazz, who oh, you've beaten sure. the last two years. For sure, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, it, it will be a little more stressful, but, you know, it's for us, locking that 4-5 seed is good at this point because we were – before the bubble games, we were at that 6 seed, and we didn't know how this how the small ball would work out because towards the end of, you know, the intermission – Rockets did not look too good with that small ball. And, yeah. I mean, they're still getting, they were getting out rebounded then. They're still getting out rebounded now, but it felt like that hustle had lost them and that they were, you know, definitely not playing their best basketball. But I'm, you know, just seeing what we've seen the last four, four, four out of six games, they had wins and they had great wins against the Bucks, And then they had wins against uh, the Mavs. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely happy to see what, what they've been able to accomplish minus this past game today. I think this game was a wash and we don't really need to dig down deep into this game, but you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident in this Rockets team and um, I think we could beat anybody in the Western conference. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. And um, like I said, I, we won't get too deep into it, even though I can talk about it for hours about the possible <laughs> yeah. matchups, but we'll save some of that for a future podcast. Um, I also want to kind of go into the, um, the Bill Simmons comments from yesterday, um, I'll actually, I'll, I'll read the quote first, so then we can kind of respond. Uh, this is Bill Simmons. Luca assists are like birds. They're not cheap assists, like the James Harden type of assist. So, so I'll ask your opinion on this first. Um, we all know Bill Simmons is no fan of Rockets. This isn't anything no. new. Um, this is kind of a narrative we've kind of heard from multiple people on Twitter um, from the national media for a long time. But, but when you hear that, what's, what's your opinion of it? It kind of makes me, you know, as a Rockets fan and, you know, as a James Harden fan and someone that watches James Harden night in and night out, putting in work, carrying this franchise. I mean, the, since James Harden has gotten here, we haven't missed the playoffs. And I want to, I, I believe, I think that's the longest streak Yes. Um, for any um, for any player, or uh, I think for any franchise, if the um, if the Rockets or if the Spurs rather, Spurs, if the Spurs yeah. don't make it, I think the Rockets have the longest streak. So 
since James Harden has gotten here, he's been he's done nothing but carry this franchise, and it definitely irks me to hear comments like that because, I mean, I from a basketball perspective, assists are assists to me. If you're if you're getting you're finding your your open man, and you're you know diming them up, finding them in corners and whatnot, it's still an assist, and he Harden does a great job finding his players in the corners and you know finding Jeff Green cutting to the basket off that pick and roll so I to me it, it does kind of bother me a lot just hearing the comments of Bill Simmons and um, you definitely could see a bias right there that he he likes Luca better it's I mean if we're going to put that out there he just likes Luca better even though Harden is more efficient offensively and you know he carries the team a lot more that Dallas Mavericks team has a great coach in Rick, Rick Carlisle, and they have a great system. So, I of course, Luca is, you know, an all-time – he's going to be an all-time great, you know, when it's all said and done. But he's also part of the product of a great system, you know, with that Dallas Mavericks team. They got one of the best offenses. So, Harden – when you look at the Rockets, Harden is the system, you know. He's, yes. He, so, he, a lot of the offense runs through him. So, that you know, that's my take on it. So, and I, I... – agree with everything you just said it's it's kind of a thing that Harden's is and Rockets fans have dealt with since Harden's gotten here because his game is totally different it's not a conventional game and national media have just destroyed him pretty much ever since he's been here he can lead the league in assists the next thing that they will say is well of course he leads the league in assists because he handles the ball all the time or he can lead the league in points well of course he leads in points because he has the ball majority of the time and they never actually break down actual stats. And it's even when Luca made that between the legs offhand um, pass in overtime, it was like the greatest thing ever. And of course, five minutes later, Rockets Twitter rightly pointed out that Harden does this, if not every game, every other game. And it kind of leads to where a lot of times you, you don't really think, I don't think that national media members watch Rockets games other than no. highlights. Because if they did, they would know that Harden does that all the time and that Harden's assist, they're by as far away from cheap assists as you can get because yeah. he is creating so many open shots for players just from him being on the court that yeah. if you – I don't know how you can think there. I don't even know – I can't wrap my head around how can you have a cheap assist. I yeah. kind of see rebounds maybe – if your teammates are boxing out and they want you just to get the rebound all the time, which, by the way, the Mavericks actually do for Luka. Yeah. Um, but assist pretty much means that it leads to a basket. And in yeah. what world is an assist <laughs> ever a bad thing? I don't understand that logic at all. But Bill Simmons has pretty much been a Rockets hater for a long time now. And this is not exactly his first comments. He's yeah. made comments during Rockets games when they're playing the Boston Celtics that he can't watch this game anymore. And it's just the, the bias of a lot of these media members just makes me realize that you can't put the word analyst by a lot yeah. of people's names anymore. Yeah. So as Rockets fans, we all know that not all national media, but the majority of national media just does not like James Harden. And when he said that narratives play a big part in a lot of these awards, and people killed him. This is exactly the type of stuff he was talking about because the stuff that Luca does, which is really the funny part about all this, Luca's game is modeled exactly like James Harden's. Oh, for sure. (laughs) It's, it's It's a carbon copy of James Harden's game. So 
either you're going to criticize Luca and Harden. Yeah. Or you're going to give both of them praise. You can't give Luca praise and then go at the same time and say, well, Harden just jacks up shots and takes steps back all game. Because that's exactly what Luca does. And by the way, Harden shoots 36% from three and Luca's shooting around 31%. Yeah. So it's, it's just crazy just the way the narrative is play off in the media. But, you know, as Rockets fans, I guess we just kind of got used to it by now. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, we still haven't gotten used to it because it's always <laughs> something true. new that they, <laughs> the national media tries to bring up. Like, for example, Colin Cowherd, you know, who definitely is a big hater of the Rockets and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. He, you know, I, I'm sure you know this. He came out with, you know, the top – 10 bubble duos, right? <laughs> yes. And he didn't even have Russell Westbrook or James Harden on that list. So he's definitely <laughs> going to eat his words, I know for sure, later on. I'm confident in that duo. But let's – I mean, if we're being honest, they're a top two, top three duo in the league. So it's almost laughable. And maybe, you know, maybe his ratings kind of suck, so he has to stir the pot a little bit. Um, that could be the reason why he, you know, he had s- such a claim that they're not even a top 10 duo, which is, you know – which is like unfathomable to me, but yeah, they, the Rockets get a lot of that hate and they're going to continue to get that hate. I think until Russell Westbrook and James Harden can bring a championship to the H. Yeah. And not only did Colin Cowherd say that um, Harden and Westbrook are not even a top 10 duo. Honestly, I don't even know where he had, if he had a top 20 list, they may not have been on the top 20 <laughs> list, but he, yeah. he also said at the beginning, yeah, the Rockets wouldn't even make the playoffs. Um, I mean, That's, so that was crazy to me. Yeah. So it's like at some point I try to um, separate just the crazy from the actual analyst. And I have no problem when people actually come with actual facts that they yeah. want to criticize the Rockets on. But when you just say outlandish stuff like the Rockets aren't going to make the playoffs or, or Harden is is not even a top five MVP candidate. I, I just kind of just at some point you just kind of just hit the mute button in your brain and just stop listening to them because the fact that you don't put Harden and Westbrook in your – not even in your top ten is just beyond crazy because, to me, the only duo that can have an argument over them is Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And yeah. I can – if people really want to argue, I can argue about that. But I can – I'll give them that if they want to say they're one in Harden and Westbrook or two. Yeah. I mean, they just competed this season where they are the number one scoring duo – since since yeah since since the since the merger since will chamberlain days so i mean i don't know how i'm sure people are going to say well it's a different time and of course they're the number one duo because everybody's scoring points now which again is not true because in the 80s we all know that scoring was actually higher but that's a whole nother podcast but anyway (laughs) um yeah. yeah, it's certain things we're never going to get used to because it's always going to be some new type of crazy that come out about the Rockets. And like you said, until they win a championship, um, people are just going to continue to hold that over their head. Yeah, they. I mean, they absolutely are. And as Rockets fans, we've already gotten used to it. Um, I'm able to appreciate the sport and appreciate Harden and Westbrook, you know, for their achievements. So it's, I mean, to me, it's not all about the championships because championships are very hard to, to win and come by but um definitely we'll see how things play out in the playoffs and i do believe that rockets can make a strong push for a championship this season yeah i agree and it'll definitely be interesting there's no home court advantage um there's shouldn't be any rest issues so 
I think this is probably going to be one of the most competitive playoffs we've seen in a long time because there's really no clear-cut favorite like there has been um, in the last couple years um, when you're talking about Golden State and, you know, even throwing the Rockets into that as, you know, the, the absolute top two teams in the entire league. This, is, this should be like a wide-open playoffs. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely – I agree with that sentiment that it is wide open. Anyone, it's anyone's league, you know, this season – with the you know Lakers haven't looked great, Clippers you know they could always be they could be banged up and we don't know how they've looked. They haven't been very consistent and we can we've seen Rockets be better than the best you know so they they definitely can play out and win that championship and with the East you, you never know what can happen. Yeah, that is definitely true and uh, that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. Uh, So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad podcast covering your Houston Rockets.